for leading us this morning. I was trying to remember the um, name of a film. We watched a video, Hermie, this week. What was the name of the, the Marigold Hotel? Was that something like that? <laughs> the best exotic Marigold Hotel. It's amazing how the Lord speaks to you, isn't it? I've been going over a, a, just a phrase from that film. Sorry if you've not watched it. Um, if you haven't, rent it from the library. It's very cheap. Um, I'm <laughs> It's amazing when a thought comes to your mind. You think, I'll share that. And then you haven't worked it all out in your brain. Um, I think he kept saying, it'll all be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, it ain't the end. And uh, funnily enough, God spoke to me in that. Because when God is with us, it's going to be all right in the end. No matter what. And if it isn't all right yet, it's not the end. Just thought I'd share that with you. Anyway. <laughs> Blessed me. We're going to read uh, from the Bible and just look at this passage together. We've been looking at discipleship in our morning services and we're going to continue. Last week, uh, we looked at uh, spiritual warfare and we're going to continue briefly with that. Uh, today. So Ephesians chapter 6 and reading from verse 10 uh, to verse 20. It should appear on the screen if you have your Bibles with you. Read along in there. Paul writes, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand then. Stand firm with a belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Father, let's, uh, yeah, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your words. Thank you that we have the Bible in our hands and we can read it. And you can speak to us every single day. And we pray for one another. We pray, Lord, that as a church and for your church, that 
these words will not just be words on a page for us whenever we turn to them, but they will speak into our lives because they are your words. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask this morning that these words may come alive as we share together, as I speak and others hear, we pray that we would hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. The full armor of God is what we're going to be thinking about uh, today. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And uh, we know if we're a Christian, we are involved in spiritual warfare. That uh, started very much when we put our trust in the Lord Jesus because the enemy had lost us. Prior to becoming Christians, he may not have ever bothered you because he knew you were his. Why would he bother you? But the moment you say, Jesus is Lord, the moment you say, I'm living for someone else right now, he will try and trip you up, spoil your life if he can. And here we have Paul reminding the Ephesian believers that they are in a spiritual battle and the nature of that battle, but also the defenses and the weapons that we have to use. In his excellent book on spiritual warfare, Guy Chevreau, uh, the book is called Our Eyes Fixed on Jesus, I recommend it to you. He talks about a conversation he had with a Christian friend. They were good friends. And they were discussing this passage, and uh, his good friend said to him, I put on the armor every day before I get out of bed. And, uh, and that's, you know, I've heard that phrase many times as well. And um, Guy asked his friend a simple question. Does that mean you take it off every night? No, said his friend. And then they both laughed about the image of putting more and more armor on every day. I'm putting it on. Oh, I can't move. And I think he makes a really good point because I think people do sometimes misunderstand the armor of God. I think sometimes Christians will be able to point out the armory of God in terms of the helmet and the belt and the breastplate and the shield. But if you ask them, actually, what do they signify? Oh, Oh, yeah, yes. And then it will come back. It will come back to them. This armor is not something we take off and on. It's permanent. And this passage in Ephesians 6 begins with the word, finally. And a little bit later on, therefore. And any of you who have ever heard me preach will know that if you come across a word like finally or therefore, you have to refer back in the scriptures. So what Paul is saying, finally, in the light of all that I've been talking about you in the first few chapters of this letter, in the context of those words, then stand firm against the devil's schemes. The context is chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have been chosen by God. It wasn't random. God chose us. It says before the creation of the world, God chose us. We have been redeemed. We have been bought at a price. Our freedom in Christ has been paid for. Jesus paid for it on the cross. We are forgiven. All our sins washed away. Jesus took them upon himself. We have been marked with the promised Holy Spirit because if you believe in Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. You cannot say Jesus is my Lord without having the Holy Spirit, but you can have more of the Holy Spirit. You can be filled and filled and filled again with the Holy Spirit. We don't want the Holy Spirit just as a pilot light on in our lives. We want him to fan into flame our love for God and the way that we live for him in his power. Throughout Ephesians, Paul brings to mind that God's desire to bless is far more reaching, far greater than any power that would seek to curse. It has always been that way since the foundation of the earth. Before the cosmic rebellion, before Satan actually was thrown out of heaven, it was always God's intention to bless, to love, to redeem. So when Paul gets to the final chapter and says, finally, it's in the context of all of that. It's in the context of the prayer that he prays for the believers, that they may know the love of Christ that he lavishes upon us, that we may know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. It's a reminder of our true identity. We are in God's family. We are sons and daughters of the living God. It is a prayer for all believers to have a deep-rooted foundations that are solid in Jesus Christ so that we won't be blown about by every wave of doctrine that may come about or by the enemy's schemes, his lies, his deceitfulness. Because we are founded on the love of Christ which will not be moved. It speaks of security. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So therefore, when we get to this passage in chapter 6, we therefore engage with the enemy firmly in the knowledge that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from Jesus Christ and from his love for us. Neither death, death can't separate us. No demons can separate us. Nothing, no circumstances can separate us. The only one who can separate us from Jesus Christ is us. We walk away, we turn away. But how can we walk away from a love like that? So then Paul writes, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And he says that we don't engage with powers of flesh and blood, but against principalities. But these are inferior powers. Inferior powers. We should never be fearful of the devil or any of his minions. Because we are heirs of the kingdom. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are heirs of that incomparable power, says Paul, the power that was demonstrated when Christ was raised from the dead. The devil hasn't got anything on that. 
He thought he'd won when Jesus was crucified. Jesus walked out of his own grave. And he promises that everyone who believes in him will live even though they die. That's the background. That's the context of spiritual warfare. That battle that we have with the devil has already been fought and won. Jesus won the victory. Jesus is enthroned. Jesus is returning once again, not to bear sin, the Bible says. He's already done that. When he comes again, he's going to gather all those who have believed in him to the new heaven and the new earth. He's going to make all things new. He's going to put all things right. It will be all right in the end. Because the end is when Jesus comes. I am convinced that we give the devil too much credit And let's try this. Even if we sense him at work, let's not give him any credit. Oh, the devil did this. Let's not even mention his name. It's not even worth mentioning. Let's mention the name of Jesus. We trust in Jesus, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what is going on. We are not called to defeat the enemy. He has already been defeated, gloriously accomplished through Jesus' death on the cross. The outcome is never in doubt. If you've read the end of the book, we win. We win. So in this passage, we are called to stand. Stand firm. Stand your ground. Stand. Four times in four verses, stand. Against the devil's schemes. Don't let him in. Stand your ground. Don't give him a foothold. Don't give him an inch. I don't know if this illustration is applicable, but I, you know, watching Mo Farah win the 5,000 meters was just brilliant. But the strategy of his race was within two laps to go to get to the front, and no one is coming by. And if they try and go faster, I'll go faster. No one is coming by. It's amazing how God speaks to me in in the Olympics as well. (laughs) And I just thought, isn't that brilliant? We won't let anyone come by. We won't let the devil have a foothold. If if he tries to come in, no, because Jesus is with us. We're on the winning side. Satan has lost and he knows it. Remind him again and again and again. You've lost. You're a loser. Once we were lost, but now we're found. Once we were blind, but now we can see. Obviously, as we prayed earlier, our concern is for those who don't know Jesus. We're secure. We are. We're secure. Nothing can separate us, remember? For those we know and we love who don't know Jesus, it breaks our hearts because they don't know it, but they're on the enemy's side. They might not even be aware of it, but they're on the enemy's side. That sounds really unfair, doesn't it? You know, there ought to be the middle bit where you haven't decided yet. 
Sorry, it's not a middle bit. Jesus has come to rescue us. When we put our trust in him, we're saved. If we don't put our trust in him, we're not saved. And we're on the enemy's side. But he may leave you all well alone. And so we keep on praying for those who are lost, who don't know Jesus. That they may come to that realization that Jesus died for them, receive his grace, and come into that newness of life that we all have experienced. It's not to say that we underestimate the enemy. No, we don't. And he can't stop you believing. He can tempt you. But the Bible also says that we're never tempted beyond what which we can bear. Now, temptations in themselves are powerful things. Otherwise, they wouldn't tempt us, would they? If temptation wasn't strong, we wouldn't be tempted. If temptation wasn't attractive, we wouldn't be tempted. It stands to reason. But if we, in our weakness, and we all are, succumb to that, then that's where he gets a foothold. But we don't have to. And we need to ask for the strength. If we're aware of the weaknesses in our lives, to ask God to bolster that, strengthen that. Give us the strength of character and will to say no when that temptation comes. To look to Jesus. You know, if Satan had the power to destroy us, he'd have done it already. He hasn't got it. He may tell you he has, He hasn't got it. He hasn't got that kind of power. As I've said, he only has that second-hand power. When we give, if you talk, think about it, what can the devil do to us? Seriously. What can the devil do? What can evil men do to us? When I pray for the persecuted church day by day, what can evil men, what's the worst they can do to our brothers and sisters? The worst they can do is kill them. But every one of them knows that if they die, they're going to be with Jesus. Devil doesn't win. Ever. What's the worst they can do? Jesus talks about fearing God who... You don't want to be lost without God. Satan is defeated. He's on the run. He's positively panic-stricken. You know what scares him the most? Well, perhaps not the most, but one one of those up there is the thought of the church of Jesus Christ believing it all. Living it out. Speaking about Jesus, he trembles at that. That's why he targets the church or get them in on themselves, get them fighting, get them division and everything and then they'll be useless. Then the world will just point at it and say, they're irrelevant. They've got nothing to say to us. Church that gets on fire for Jesus makes him tremble. 
yes, he tries his best to oppose God's will. In all ways, he tries. Those lies, there's, he's had a quite a success in our nation with the lie, there is no God. No God. He promotes those evil things in our world and he finds willing collaborators in every sinful man and woman who would do his work for him. Of course, there is so much evil in the world. But it's power that's surrendered, power that's given over. So no, we're not so foolish as to underestimate the wiles and strategies of the enemy, but... When he roars like a lion, remind him he has no teeth. Darkness is his natural habitat. But yes, he can appear as an angel of light. He can appear as a dangerous wolf within the flock. The key to discerning where the enemy is at work is fruit fruit of the spirit fruit of the gospel is this growing fruit bearing fruit and what kind of fruit is it so what would Paul have us do and you think gosh finally onto the armor of God so in this spiritual battle he encourages us to put on the full armor of God. Why would Paul use this phrase? Well, he gives the clue at the end, doesn't he? I am an ambassador in chains. Who's he chained to? He's chained to a Roman soldier. Can we have a little picture of a Roman soldier? Forgive the um, writing because it's American. They can't spell armor. And I thought, if I put it up, someone's going to say, you spelled armor wrong. No, I didn't. It's the Americans, all the Americans. Sorry if you're American. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we have our American friends and brothers and sisters with us. <laughs> oh, dear. They just spell it in a different way. but they own the internet. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, he's chained to a Roman soldier. That's why he uses this analogy. It is an analogy. He's familiar with Roman soldiers. So here is the armor to be worn 24-7. These are the things we're not to take off. Truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, and salvation. The first thing that he mentions is the belt of truth. The truth of the gospel. The gospel is true. Jesus is who he says he is. He is the truth. If he were not the truth, if Jesus is not who he says he is, what are you here for? What on earth are we doing if Jesus is not who he says he is? Let's just go home. Get on with life. Eat, drink, and be merry because there's no meaning and no purpose. But Jesus is the truth. He is the savior of the world. He is the hope of this world. So the belt is the truth. 
The belt holds everything together. It holds everything up in place. It's also used to hold the sword when it was sheathed. The conflict we have with the enemy is won and lost in the realm of truth. See, the enemy lies. Jesus called him the father of lies. That's his nature. He just lies. He can't help himself. He lies. He deals in lies and untruths. Maybe half-truths, because that's how he sucks people in. Half-truths. We stand for the truth. The truth who is Jesus. Second part of that armor is the breastplate of righteousness. There's no better defense or protection from the enemy than a right relationship with God. If I'm right with God, how can the enemy penetrate? It's when I turn my back on God. It's when I drift away from God. It's when I take my eyes off God. That breastplate, if we deal in analogy, it protects the heart, guards the heart. And it's righteousness that guards the heart. Being right with God. Seeking to be right with God in our lives. Thirdly, the gospel boots. The enemy seeks to knock us off our feet. But he hates and fears the gospel. The gospel is the power of God to save. If you're here this morning and you've never heard about Jesus and you hear about him this morning, that he loves you and that he died for you on the cross. And if you choose to believe in him this morning, you are saved. If you confess Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you are saved. That's the gospel. It's not earned. We could never earn it. It's God's gift to us. All we have to do is receive it. Paul likens it it, to having good boots that will keep us from slipping, boots that will enable us to run that race marked out for us. It's not 100 meters. We're not wearing spikes. We're wearing boots. This is for the long haul. And the shield of faith. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe Jesus rose from the dead because I met him. He changed my life. No one else could have done that. He turned my life right around. I was going one way, and I met Jesus, and I started going another way. He has risen from the dead. Every single believer is a witness to that. Right from the pages of Scripture, even to now, every single believer says, yeah, I'm a witness that Jesus rose from the dead. If he's still in the ground, if he's still dead... Again, there's no point. He conquered death. Shield of faith. Our loyalty, utter loyalty to Jesus in obedience. Faith protects us from the arrows of the evil one. The accusation, the lies, the doubts, the despair. When the enemy would throw those things at you. Shield of faith. And a Roman shield, I mean, I don't know how you picture shield, but a Roman shield was, was like a door. I mean, we, you know, when I used to play 
soldiers and things, we'd make shields and it would be this tiny thing. And we'd, you know, hide behind it. A Roman shield, great big door. Two meters high or and, and wide. And they were made so that each soldier would stand together. Nothing could penetrate. Nothing could get in. And even if the arrows were coming over the top, they'd lift them all up. They're not running around going, oh gosh, an arrow, oh gosh, an arrow. Go on. If you're hard enough, go on. We're not afraid of him. We are not afraid of him. We have all that we need to overcome, to stand. Notice that Paul is not saying we run after him. I don't go running after devils and things. I mean, I've encountered some demons. I don't go running after them. If I have to, we deal with them. In the name of Jesus, go. We send you to the cross and Jesus will deal with you. Don't want to interact with them. Don't want to know their names. I've asked them their names before. They've told me their names, but I don't want to know anymore. You just go in the name of Jesus. We have the authority. We are not afraid of them. Now they mess people's lives up, no question. Because people have let them in through the occult, through all the sort of stuff that enables the enemy to come. Even through just rebellion in our lives. Repeated sin, we can let the enemy in. But we don't have to. In fact, God himself says, I'm a shield to those who take refuge in me. So we lay hold of the promises of God. The helmet of salvation protects the mind. Knowing that you are saved. Just that knowledge, I am saved. If I die tomorrow, I'm saved. If the Lord gives me loads of years, I'm saved. We hold our heads up high. We have been set free, delivered. We belong to the family of God. Finally, the only offensive weapon in this armory is the word of God. Described as a sword. This sword is not the long one. The short one. Close combat. It's the weapon Jesus used when Satan tempted him. Remember? He could have just blown him away. But he chose to use the word of God. It is written. It is written. And even when the devil quoted scripture at him, Jesus said, no, you've messed that one up. We can trust the word of God it is sharper than the double-edged sword. And it's the one that we can use offensively. Get back. Go away. This is what the word says. If we take that weapon away, we are left open. This is what 
our authority is. All we know of Jesus is in this book. Yes, we have encounters with the Holy Spirit, and they're brilliant, but the Holy Spirit only does what he said in here. Jesus only did what his Father said to do. You know, when people say, oh, the Spirit has told us to contradict the gospel. I was reading, no, I was listening to Simon Ponsonby. He was speaking about some diocese in America. Again, my apologies, my friends. But it happens anywhere where the diocese made a statement. We have been led by the Spirit to contradict the gospel. It was in the area of sexuality. But you do not contradict the gospel, and the Holy Spirit never contradicts the gospel. Who's contradicting the gospel? The final weapon, it's not mentioned in the armory, but it's there in Paul's description, his prayer. It underpins it all. It holds it all together. It keeps them all in good order because prayer is that gift of God in which we have a relationship with God. So these things will enable us to stand. And you don't take off righteousness and salvation and faith and truth and the word of God and the gospel of peace. They're what we are in Christ, what we have in Christ. So every morning, don't put on your armor of God, but just thank God that we have this defense. We have these spiritual weapons. And if you notice, and certainly if you um, were to read any commentary, um, Paul writes in the plural here. It's to the church. Yes, you can apply it individually. Of course we can. But it's to the church. Remember the shields? We stand together. And what they would do is the shield, the first guy's shield would be a little bit over him, just covering that side of him. It exposes just a little bit here. That's why you need your brother next to you shielding you and all the way along the line. We're in it together. To stand together, it's a corporate calling to stand in the truth and righteousness and the gospel and faith and salvation and the word of God. So hold the line. That's what Paul is saying here. You know those, the great films you watch and they have this rallying cry at the end, whether it's Russell Crowe or Vigo Mortens or whatever it is, films that you like, and they have this passion plea. Hold the line. That's what Paul is saying here. Guys, stand. And when you've done everything, stand. Stand firm then. Don't let the enemy in. So we won't. We won't. Don't give him a foothold. And if you make a stand, this is the tricky bit, He'll test you. He will. He'll try and get it so quickly that you just feel demoralized. I made a stand on Sunday. I blew it on Monday. (sighs) 
Well, if that happens, just get up again. Just say you're sorry to God, he understands, and get on again. See, the devil wants you just on the floor thinking, oh, I'm useless, oh, I'm dreadful, I can't be a Christian, can't get anything right, and, you know, why do I go to church, and what does, everyone else is perfect, and I'm not perfect. <laughs> and we become Eeyores. <laughs> it's going to rain today. If it doesn't rain today, it'll rain tomorrow. I'm going on holiday. It's going to rain all week. Because the devil's going to make it rain. Spoil my break. Oh, rubbish. Philip, get a grip. I belong to Jesus. I'm saved. The devil has nothing on me. Nothing on me. And if people think that he has, he ain't got nothing on me because I'm in Christ. Ah, oh, what a great place to be. I'm going to stop there. Let's pray together. Let's pray. And I just want to pray for anyone here this morning and you want to know Jesus in your life. You've maybe known about him. You've maybe even believed at a distance but you've never invited him in your life. I encourage you to do that today. Just to say the simple things of Lord, I'm sorry, I believe in you, come into my life, fill me with your spirit so that I can stand in the knowledge that I am secure in you no matter what. If that's you this morning, I encourage you to speak either with me or or someone who you know in the church, just to pray with you. It would be our privilege, our joy, to pray with you if you've taken a step of faith this morning. And for others of us, if we've felt battered and bruised in the battle, and we don't underestimate the battle, but we want to keep it in the perspective of heaven. Let's lift our eyes. And see who we are in Christ again this morning. And that armor of God, let us be familiar not just with the symbols of the armor, but with the truth and the righteousness and the faith and the gospel, Lord, and the word, that we might be the people you want us to be. Come, Holy Spirit, renew us. Where we're a bit beaten up, come, Holy Spirit, set us on our feet again. Help us to treasure that knowledge that you work all things for the good of those who love you. We stand on the truth of your word 
Jesus will come again and make all things right. And if it's not right, it's not the end yet. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We're going to um, just sing. Jess is going to come back with the band leaders in our final song.